officially champions and you doubted it you doubted it although I have to say you got it absolutely spot on what did you say one all draw nervous tense uh, just about scraped through and uh, that was pretty much what happened I'm pretty sure my exact phrase was a nervy 1-1 draw and if that wasn't the very epitome of a nervy 1-1 draw I don't know what was yeah absolutely I think my predictions of a comfortable 3-0 win the pressure's off uh, will ease through uh, were just miles off weren't they and then United yeah nervy nervy very nervy didn't help with Tom Cusack in goal who seems to spread the nerviness throughout the defence yeah I mean uh, he gets a lot of stick from a decent section of the United fans which I think is extremely harsh because it's very 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 difficult to be a substitute goalkeeper a backup goalkeeper at any kind of high level of football because it's hard enough being a goalkeeper at a high level when you don't you know you're not constantly exposed to action it comes in fits and spurts if not only that but you hardly ever get any game time it it just got to be extremely difficult to maintain any level of consistent confidence I would imagine so I think it's a bit harsh on the lad that he gets so much stick I think he would be a perfectly good goalkeeper for a mid-level premiership side yeah well and I I suppose that's that's what he was before he came to United was only like that's where he's headed back I think I think I'm right in saying he's out of contract this summer I mean he's certainly off either way yeah I think I'm pretty sure he's out of contract so uh, I I think we will see no more of Thomas Cusack I I presume that he's not going to play on Saturday I mean I suppose they could give uh, Edwin another week off although I'm not really sure the benefit of of, uh, leaving him out the the side for for a fortnight but yeah maybe maybe who knows anyway in in any case uh, the job was done just about uh, with a rather lucky penalty I mean no no doubt that it was a penalty I mean as long as the ball's in play that's a foul uh, all the time but but still uh, the ball was not under Hernandez control and he bought it I would say yeah he massively bought it but it was beautifully dispatched by Wayne Rooney what a hit he said he was terrified but he betrayed no signs of that terror a, a, a phenomenal strike of the ball yeah exactly exactly what you'd want to do in that, that situation yeah because he skied his last one didn't he so it was uh, it was it, I, I guess it was lucky oh god if United actually lost that game then and it really would have been squeaky bum time on Sunday but uh, fortunately it's all done we can celebrate and uh, a bizarre situation of course with Blackburn just making no attempt to win the game in the last sort of 10 minutes there there was a nice Guardian chalkboard 174 passes in the last 10 minutes that went sideways across United's back four yeah it looked fantastic that chalkboard didn't it uh, there was a lot of are you watching Merseyside as is to be expected but I, I would definitely have been charting are you watching Serie A or indeed are you watching the famous Anschluss game of 1974 between uh, Austria and West Germany that that was proper non-competitive football out there for the last 10 minutes and perfectly reasonable why, why not Barry Glendening on Football Weekly was saying he hopes that Blackburn end up going down because of their complete lack of an attempt to make any effort on goal yeah but, but they might stay up by a point and then then it was, it was completely justified because United actually and a good point made by Steve Keane he said United were leaving four players up front yeah absolutely because they knew they could and if you were black it's brilliant because it's this sort of it's sort of like when you have a fight with a person who's smaller than you and you just sort of hold their head uh, and they can't get at you it, it was a bit like that because Paul Scholes just knocking it sideways because he's like well if any of you come anywhere near us we're going to spring 
playing our devastating counter-attacking football and you won't end up with any points at all. Well, yeah, quite. And, and, and uh, yeah, look, they, they might well be in trouble the last day of the season. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of variables. An awful lot of uh, teams can potentially go down. I think it's five, isn't it? So, or maybe even more. So, certainly Blackpool are in real trouble. Blackburn are in real trouble. Birmingham City are in real trouble. West Ham, we know, are down. And who else? Who else is in there? A couple of others. Wolves. Wolves. It's, 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 it's two from Wigan, Blackburn, uh, Blackpool, Birmingham and Wolves that will go down. Wigan, basically, Birmingham, Wolves and Blackburn have both got an extra point. Birmingham, Blackpool and Wigan are all currently separated by goal difference. There's been a lot of talk about how Blackpool will be playing our weakened side but we will come on to this game but I, I think that Blackpool could be in real danger if they're assuming they're going to get a point although Ian Holloway claims that earlier in the season Fergie said if we've won the league by then I'll play myself against you <laughs> uh, which would be nice to see but but surely our boys are going to want Dimitar Berbatov to be the top scorer this season well a couple, couple of Tevez is he not equal now or? exactly so that's what that's what I mean and so so maybe there'll be some attempt to score on that basis but hey listen well I mean Berbatov Berbatov will play no, not, not to cut short our, our Blackburn review but uh, I'm sure Berbatov will play and uh, probably play with Ickle Mickey Owen who, who might well be playing his last game for the club as well actually on, on Sunday against Blackpool the, the Blackburn game was of course most notable for its ending the point at which the final whistle blew and that was it we were league champions for the 19th time an unbelievable feat what an achievement by Sir Alex Ferguson there's the, the I've never heard the word perch so much in my life as I have in the last seven days. It's just unreal. How, how how can you describe it? Ryan Giggs talks about how a few seasons ago, you know, what in relative terms is a very short time ago, Liverpool was so far ahead it seemed completely and utterly implausible that that would ever be the case. And and yet Sir Alex has done it. He's knocked them off their perch. We're the most successful side in English domestic football history. Well, yes. Uh, I, I mean, I wonder whether the, the perch knocking was done quite some time ago. I mean, it, it is more than 20 years since Liverpool have last uh, last took the title and you know outside of the Premier League era football did apparently exist before the Premier League was founded and uh, Liverpool once won titles in 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 that time I mean I did, I did a little piece on the website here tracking the history and and they were all in black and white even their last win <laughs> that was a lovely piece. I mean, I mean yeah, no, not if you're a scouser, it was. And, and the amount of abuse I got, no, <laughs> the amount of delete, 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 I had to, I had to do on the blog. Well, I mean, I don't know. You weren't that considering what you could have been like. I thought it was fairly level-headed from oh, you. It was perfectly even-handed, yeah. But uh, apparently, Liverpool supporters are not taking this well. Who'd have thunk it? I mean, I, I have to say a word about Liverpool. Once upon a time, they were they were a really great side, and they they had managers who strung together building a few good sides in a row and they were the absolute dominant force in English football in a way that younger fans you know imagine us but instead of it being us it was them you know it, it was not much fun when you wouldn't really even think about winning the league as a United fan certainly for the first 10 years that I supported the club winning the league seemed a pretty distant dream and certainly to have won the league more times than Liverpool I'm not sure I thought at, when I was a kid that I would ever see that in my lifetime it, it, it's an amazing achievement surely well I mean that's 12 since Liverpool last got one and uh, yeah, in tw- 12 of the last 19 or, or whatever it is it's, uh, it's I 
internationally dominant United. Four in the last five. Yeah, that's something which is almost hard to conceive of because the last couple of years have sort of felt like a struggle. So it's kind of weird to think that it's ridiculous to think that we've, you know, we've been anything other than absolutely dominant because we won four out of the last five league titles and the one we I didn't know, I win. know, it, it completely puts a different perspective on it. I mean, I actually think aside from 2008 and, and you know, sort of 2009 as well, I'm, I'm not sure we were so dominant, really. I mean, just it's just Ferguson's absolute mentality. They were, if you listen to the Guardian podcast, they were, they were chatting about this uh, supposition that if Ferguson had been manager of any of the other top four, he'd have also won them the league. And, and yeah, you know, there's, there's some grounding in that, of course. I mean, he, he wouldn't have built a squad as mentally weak as Arsenal's, that's for sure. But maybe, yeah, maybe that's true. He, he just has an ability to drag the, more than the, the, you know, the sum of the, the parts out of his side somehow. I mean, look at United's midfield and you just think, how could this be? How could this be champion? But it is. You know, United are, and, and deservedly so, I've got to say. I mean, for the home record, uh, if nothing else, and, and yeah, w- whatever the weaknesses of of everybody else, it's, uh, it's probably going to be a six-point win or something like that, and it's pretty healthy. So what have been your favourite moments of the past week? What have you enjoyed out of all the celebrations? Uh, I've enjoyed all the banners. <laughs> Old friend from manunited.info uh, had, a, had a nice one at Blackburn, so he knocked off your perch. Uh, of course, also, yeah, those japesters at Anfield managed to get in and put MUFC 19 times at the Anfield Road end and then escape and I can only presume was a, a very fast getaway car. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Worth listening to the Football Rambles take on that this week. Well, it's worth listening to the Football Ramble every week. But um, d- wonderful stuff. I love the idea that there was people in both ends, of course, because you've got to get photos of it, and also a getaway car. How far in advance would they have had to plan this? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's pretty- probably not that difficult to get a ticket at Anfield though to, though, to be fair you know, it's, it's, I mean great 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 stuff and you know, the celebrations on the pitch and the fact that Ferguson headed out well, who did he head over to first Giggsy and no, Giggsy's 12th and of course Paul Scholes his 10th and uh, I mean, everyone else I mean Fabio managed to pick up a medal and so is Michael Owen and <laughs> Michael Owen's got played no part Yeah, <laughs> he, he hasn't picked up a, a title winner's medal ever has he not for, not for a long time anyway. no that's his first one um, that's his first league winner's medal I'm delighted Eddie got it from being around the squad because I still have this secret theory that Michael Owen's really useful to have around behind the scenes. Also, I find him a very high quality Twitterer, Michael Owen. He is a high quality Twitterer. Yeah, he, he does. You know, some some pretty bland stuff about horses and whatever. But yeah, in, in generally speaking, he's he's uh, he's pretty thoughtful with his Twittering. Yes. Um. So it was delight. I, I was delighted to see him get a league winners medal. At the, there was a moment. There's just a hug between uh, Wayne Rooney and Darren Gibson which I found really moving I don't know quite why just one of those moments at Happy Hero wanted us to mention on this week's podcast the G-Bomb more league winners medal than Steven Gerrard uh, that's just a really nice stat that um, it, the gig stuff amazing um, the, them celebrating in the dressing room afterwards and uh, Sir Alex joining in our boy gigs he's won it 12 times that was I just that got me I'm not going to lie to you that got me oh was it was there a tear the, the may have been at least a little lump in the throat and then there's a video doing the rounds of the players dinner or something after after the the league win which is claiming to be Giggsy singing uh, it's fairly convincing it sounds like him you can't really see if it's him or not but he uh, he sings Kino's effing 
magic and he also sings uh, we do what we want we're Man United we do what we want it's just hilarious to me the idea of Ryan Giggs singing that yeah very good yeah very I mean look it's um, it's, it's, it's remarkable I mean straight after the game actually Giggs was talking about what's going to happen next year and, and it's just a, it, it appears to be the mentality that Ferguson instills in all his players that, that this triumph is for the moment and, and then straight away starts thinking about the next thing and uh, obviously you know it's, it's well well reported that's the way Ferguson is he enjoys the, the triumph for about five minutes and, and and you know for sure he's thinking you know every minute of the day right now about how to beat Barcelona yeah it was nice to see because I was thinking about that but it was nice to see that they did enjoy the moment the players you know they were they were obviously have been very professional about it and got back into the swing of things very quickly but it was nice to see the just massive outpouring of joy did you see the terrifying picture of Wayne Rooney with 19 shaved into his chest yeah I'm glad it was shaved into his chest and nowhere else here God knows what will happen if he gets 20 right <laughs> it's unfortunate uh, he talked a lot about um, being an Everton fan and how special it was for him to be involved in the team beating Liverpool I thought that was very interesting because he doesn't really talk much about Everton anymore and obviously he gets horrendous stick from the Everton fans when he goes there and there was all the stuff with David Moyes and his autobiography when he left the club so there's a lot of bitterness so it was really interesting to to hear him talk so sort of openly about Everton yes well I, I wouldn't like United fans or players to define themselves by another club uh, you know generally speaking and we've done a lot of that this week actually I think both both in terms of what City did in the FA Cup and and, and uh, now overhauling Liverpool so it's good to enjoy it for that um, but you, you wouldn't want it to be the, the case all the time and uh, you know there's, there's something about Wayne Rooney when he played Liverpool folks and said that it seemed to get to him and he tried too hard and, and famously doesn't actually have a very good record against Liverpool does he so you can see that it means something to him it's uh, something additional and and he did talk about that straight uh, straight after the game and that meant something to you know to him for that and uh, okay fair enough you know i just i just hope that now it's it's not just about liverpool about city as well and maybe maybe even more so i hope we don't start to become like them that uh, us as fans you know define ourselves by what we are in terms of of, of liverpool and city because that's of course what what city have done i mean ferguson that famous quote about a small club with a small mentality you know all they can think about you know is us and of course Liverpool fans have you know had some of the same over the last you know few years and it's all about beating United and and uh, City still is in many ways until they start winning more trophies and you know more significant ones than the FA Cup that that'll probably still be the case so I hope United fans don't start thinking about this because it's it's inevitable uh, that City are going to win the league at some point in the near enough future just because the the amount of spending that they can do I'm not sure I agree that it's totally inevitable because there are teams that have spent on that sort of scale before and not pulled it off. They they need a proper manager, I think. Then, but if they can get a proper manager, then yes, of course, it'll be inevitable. Well, Roberto Mancini with a couple of Serie A titles might might say that he's a proper manager. Yeah, but when did he win his couple of Serie A titles? He he won the prob probably the weakest Serie A in history because it was just after the Calciopoli scandal. Winning Serie A takes a completely different skill set to winning the Premier League, I think. And that's that's not me being like you know Sky Sports about it. I don't think the Premier League has a divine right to be considered the best league in the world. But I think Mancini's unless he has a pretty radical shift. Uh, in his approach, then they're not going to 
win it next season because they're, they're still going to be too defensive. Maybe, maybe that'll change, but I don't really want to... As you say, this isn't the week to necessarily talk about City's future. I think you mentioned United fans not defining themselves by City. The, that that banner, the, the, the much maligned, much discussed ticker, uh, we've been asked by at Trisha RKG to talk about what our thoughts are on bringing, bringing the banner down. Well, it's already gone and uh, g- good job too. And, and uh, I would hope that there are no other City-related banners. There was some talk about having 43 up there a number of years since they won the league. I mean, is that absolute nonsense, of course, to do that or resetting it to zero? I think the joke's over now. Uh, they've they've won their title, so actually, I think the next banner should be. Apparently, there's something something temporary going up for for the Blackpool game at the weekend. But I think that long term, it should just be a banner about one of our long term heroes. And of course, if if Scalzi retires, uh, you know, that's that's a perfect space for him there. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I I could not agree more. It's the 43 years thing just seems like incredibly small-minded. It's kind of funny for about 30 seconds, and then it just seems petty, you know. And and that's the whole point, isn't it? Is is there's nothing about Manchester United that has to be petty in relation to their rivals. In fact, you know, listen, I, I was pretty happy for Man City to win a trophy. I mean, it was convenient of them to do it on the day we won the league for a record number of times, thus somewhat overshadowing their achievement. That was, you know, that's that that great irony of history where what they win the league we win the European Cup they get promoted we win the treble they win the FA Cup we win the league more times than ever anyone's ever done it and get to the Champions League final for the third time in four seasons but you know there's a lot of City fans that have never experienced winning a trophy a lot of perfectly lovely decent people who just love football and and that's the club they've always supported it's absolutely brilliant for them have you ever seen Blue Moon Rising I'm not sure these are perfectly decent ordinary people I didn't say there's obviously like horrible Manchester City fans as there are plenty of really obnoxious and unpleasant Manchester United fans it, it's it's one of those things isn't it a really hardcore football fandom is often related to not particularly pleasant behaviour but there's just some there's loads of people who are totally perfectly decent people who will be delighted that City have won the FA Cup yeah including Shake Owl and, what, and whatever yeah, and who uh, who has funded the whole thing I, I don't know I, I mean I, I, I didn't really want to get into a long rant about City but I find it hard to not just because it's City I just find it hard to respect any trophy that's won on the basis of that kind of finance and and to to a larger or lesser extent all football's won based on finance I mean there's there's a whole section in Soconomics about the relationship between success and percentage of you know winning and uh, A transfer spending money and, and B wages and there's like a 70% correlation between transfer spending and winning and a 92% correlation between wages and winning so you know, but basically saying that you pay more you're more likely to win more that makes perfect sense so so in one respect united have bought all the trophies because we've always been you know able to spend money because united is a, a you know commercially successful club and has been for the last 25 years or so so an awful lot of our success over the last two decades is based on being able to buy the best players and and pay the best to to you know, attract and retain the best players so you know fair enough in that respect but but in city's case they've just fast tracked it through outside sovereign wealth uh, I, I just i just kind of think what's the point I, I i mean what's the value in that it's um i'm uh, one of the very few times i'm in agreement with arsene wenger it's financial doping i mean you know i don't, I don't really see it as any different as if you know 24 others members of their squad were, were taking performance enhancing drugs not just colo Torre. <laughs> a nice a nice perhaps unnecessarily bitter remark there 
read. Well, um, factually correct. He he was taking drugs to lose weight in order to enhance his performance. So yeah. Yeah. No. I I mean, of course, the the financial thing is is crazy. I'm just saying for the the fans who've had that experience, it's going to be a pretty amazing experience, given it's been such a long time since they've won anything. Mm. Yeah. To- totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I can hear I can hear you trying to you you're trying to get a disparaging remark about Manchester City fans in there, aren't you? Ed? It's hard to relate, right? Yeah. I've been a, a United fan for 30 years or so, so I was certainly... I, I remember the time when United were not successful, and I remember and I went to Old Trafford for many, many years before the league was won. But at no point did I think, oh, hang on a minute, some sugar daddy's just come in and bought it for us, which is which is essentially going to happen, because not only... I mean, it's, it's a different level again to Chelsea, because Chelsea, yes, they went out and bought players, but Chelsea were already a mildly successful club. I mean, they were in the upper reaches of the Premier League. They had won an FA Cup. They had managed to attract some big names. Uh, we know now it, they did it n- not being able to afford it, and uh, they were on the brink of bankruptcy before Abramovich came in, but, but they had had a level of success. Players were attracted by that. City have paid so far over the odds, both in transfer fees and wages to players, that it makes no sense anymore. You, you get some very, very average players who are earning £100,000 a week, and City paid more than £20 million. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone in their right minds could disagree with that. So, anyway, that, that's City. Uh, one, one of the other things that happened this week, of course, was the FA Youth Cup. I don't know whether you saw the game, but it was an absolutely cracking game. United away at Sheffield United, who, of course, in, in the big boys football have been relegated from the Championship into League One, but in youth football have a, what seems like a very good side. Two all draw last night, and it was a very impressive and enjoyable game. Absolute cracker. 6,000 more people at Bramall Lane than there have been for a single one of the senior fixtures this season. It's incredible. Is yeah. Unbelievable stuff Sheffield United's youth team is, is terrific I saw a really interesting tweet about how they're not allowed to wear different coloured uh, football boots or have kind of outlandish haircuts the discipline's quite strict which I think is really you know I, I'm not a, a person who believes in disciplinary treatment of kids or anything but I think it's really appropriate given how football is that you try and ground these kids from a young age into keeping their feet on the ground as much as possible yeah totally I, I don't think there'd be too many people that disagree I think one of the important things the coach said that they have to earn the right to do that and I think that's another thing too I mean there are way too many footballers very rich who've never achieved anything in the game and this was part of Roy Keane's rant a few years ago wasn't it and and uh, Sheffield United they're very powerful side aren't they a lot of big big fellas in there and, and quite a few of them have actually played for the first team so they had a few ringers in there but yeah definitely an impressive youth side and there's some impressive players on the United side I mean I thought Tony Cliff had an excellent game again he's, he's got a lot of authority in the central midfield you can see why Ferguson rates him so highly and, and Morrison glimpses of the skill we all know he's got and, and perhaps not his best game and, and Pogba had a decent game gave away the ball a few times but but um you know there's there's lots of reasons to think this is this is the best United youth side in in two decades I mean since 92 and and um, last reached the the FA Youth Cup final in uh, I think it was 2007 lost and won it in 2003 against Middlesbrough but of course none of the team that that won it in 2003 ever made it at United. Paul Pogba you you said he had an okay game and gave the ball away a bit I think it's pretty unfair to mention him giving a ball away a bit without mentioning what incredible class he showed a couple of times a couple of bits of absolutely stunning footwork 
his ball in the build-up to the second goal, my Will Keane's goal, phenomenal stuff, absolutely amazing. Yeah, and and I hope a few journalists have seen this because I see over and over and over again. Oh, he's the new Patrick Vieira. Oh, come off it. I mean, he's just like what because he's French, African, and black. He's he's really nothing like Patrick Vieira apart from he's black and tall. Yeah, but he's he's got great feet, great range of passing. He's an all-round player, attacking, defending the, the whole lot. Really, I think I think he's got a really big chance of being a top quality player. Uh, you'd have to say we've probably got a, a pretty decent chance. Two all from the first leg away from home will be at Old Trafford. I imagine there'll be a fairly large crowd. I, I would think there'll be an excellent crowd. Game in the balance. Of course, United hammered Chelsea at Old Trafford last time out after losing the first leg. So you'd, you'd have to say that home turf with you know a huge crowd behind them. The, the players have already experienced that, so they, they shouldn't. I, I mean, there wasn't a huge crowd for the Chelsea game, but it was a decent crowd. Um, you'd, you'd expect this uh, United will win this one and, and uh, pick up the FA Cup for a record 10th time. That'd be, that'd be very exciting and, and it's definitely a team packed full of talent, isn't it? There's there's no no question about that. They're, they're... Yeah, I, I think there are, I mean, I see quite a bit of people tweeting that, you know, they should get them into the first team. I think it's too early. I, th- I think it's too early for Morrison, for sure. He's got all sorts of problems, not just on the, in terms of his understanding of the game. He drifts out of games quite a lot. He feels like a luxury player and that's not the kind of player that Ferguson's likely to have in his side and, and obviously, you know, well-documented off the pitch problems Pogba probably needs to fill out a little bit Tony Cliff I think might be the first of that team to, to, to get some first team action I mean it really depends on on it depends on you know to bring a defensive midfielder in or not because his kind of all action style would certainly be welcome in the first team but I think really we're, we're talking two years until any of them really make an impact yeah um, but but there's definitely some promise there isn't there there's definitely a chance that they they will come through and it, w- it would be lovely to see uh, a cameo from one or two of them uh, sometime in the next you know well sometime next season basically you've got to think maybe some of them will start appearing in the Carling Cup next season yes Carling Cup FA Cup I'd think there'd be be some room of course you know United squad being the the way it is there'll always be a few fringe players that need a game as well so I I don't think Ferguson really ever treats the Carling Cup as a pure youth Uh, not not in the same uh, Arsene Wenger might play you know 11 11 players from basically from the the youth and reserve ranks in the Carling Cup and I don't think Ferguson does that so let's move on to some questions that we've been asked there's there's a decent amount of talk about transfer targets apparently been a lot of talk going on about Perlo on a free you got any thoughts on that I I'm not convinced myself I, I can't say I mean in the Milan have released him that should tell you something about the quality of the player I mean he's he's 33 going on 34 good um, in his time a, a very high quality deep lying playmaker playing in a particular kind of system I just can't I can, just can't see it I mean we have we have a player like that he's called Michael Carrick so I, I just I don't see the point he, he, he is not going to increase the blend of United's squad I don't think he's going to increase the quality he would be on a big wage he'd be taking up a, a spot on the the 25 man roster for Europe and the, and the Premier League and so the only way I could ever see this happening is if Ferguson had no money to spend at all I mean there's plenty of experience in the in the central midfield area I mean I know Skulls is probably going to retire um, but um, I mean, Giggs is still there he's basically a central midfielder these days so is Carrick I mean, Anderson's been at the club four years now Darren, Darren Gibson although not a lot of game time has been at the club four years Darren Fletcher's in his you know mid 20s and you can almost call him late 20s coming up so he'll be 27 this year so um, I'm not sure that we really need that kind of experience and I just don't see the value no that, that question from at Man United Youth who agrees that that doesn't seem to be a brilliant idea and I think if you're too old for Milan uh, you 
probably not going to get a game at Man United. Talking of uh, Italian players, although this one at the other end of the age spectrum, Kiko got relegated with Sam. What do you think of his future? Do you think he'll be back? Well, he's not, and he's really not had a good loan spell. I mean, he's he, he was uh, speaking the other week about how it hadn't worked out for him, and I mean, I, I think he went something like 15 games and he scored one goal or something like that. It's just not been a not been a good spell for him. Okay, he's been playing, but but I mean, it's been very dramatic. Sam Dore, just no one expected them to to go down. Of course, they they qualified for the Champions League, so it's a major surprise in Italy. Big talking point, and and Macheda hasn't helped. So I I'm not sure. I mean, the word on the street appears to be. I mean, there's, there are some Ferguson quotes about this, which I don't actually think were genuine. But the word on the street appears to be that United would be prepared to let him go if they got a decent bid. And um, Danny Welbeck at Awate91 has asked us a couple of questions, uh, which we'll get to. One of which, though, is the verdict on different loanees returning. So I guess that's uh, Mame Biram Duf, Danny Welbeck, and Tom Cleverley. Those are the senior but squad members who are out on loan, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, Cleverly's had a decent season when he wasn't injured, and he has been injured quite a bit, and that, that's the worry, because he's had, a, for a very short career, he's had quite a lot of injuries. Welbeck, again, a couple of serious injuries this year, had a very good start to the, the season, scored a few goals, you know, not tons, but played in all sorts of positions, played as a striker, off the striker, wide, left and wide right, so... Um, I think everyone you know, respects that he's had a good season. And and Diouf, well, he got that early hat-trick in the Carling Cup against Norwich, but really only a couple of Premier League goals. So, again, one of those not a great season. So you would expect that Welbeck and, and uh, Cleverly will definitely be integrated into the first-team squad next season. Macheda, not sure he'll be with the club. And Diouf, well, they've, they've got to bring him back because otherwise what was the point of buying him in the first place? I, I get the feeling like um, like Obertan and, and probably Bebe, He's he's one of those uh, younger younger players that that probably just won't work out. I, I was never really convinced that he was good enough anyway. But we'll, we'll see. I, I think he will be back into the United first team squad and probably get very little game time, which is unfortunate for him, um, and it's not going to help him. I can't believe that you think he's coming back. I, I I kind of assumed he'd be shipped out in the summer without any shadow of a doubt. Well, I mean that that'll only happen if United get a bid. Right? Yeah, right, I guess so. But you would have thought he's the kind of player that you would ship out cut price because he really is offering nothing to the squad. I mean, I don't want to like I don't want to dismiss him because he's obviously got some some talent, but he doesn't at no point when he was with us or when he was at Blackburn has he looked like a Man United player. No, no, he's not. But but then again, neither is Gabriel Obertan, and so and and to be honest, neither is Bebe. I mean, he's played a lot of reserve team football and still looks like a headless chicken. Yeah, I I, I suppose that Bebe will go out on loan next season. That that seems to be the logical thing. I think it makes sense to have kept him at the club this season to bed him into life in England or whatever. But you would expect him to go out on loan next next season. Yeah, yeah well, maybe it depends how much the, the United coaches want to work with him or not. I mean, he's so rough around the edges. I mean, there's talk about going on loan to Panathinaikos and I think that that is a Jorge Mendes uh, link up there I mean of course the same talk about Anderson a couple of years ago so uh, I suppose he has some inroads there so maybe they'll ask him I mean given how much money the guy made out of that deal uh, you'd you'd expect him to do something for us and unfortunately yeah there's no magic wand that he can wave to actually make Bebe good. (laughs) Danny Welbeck on the other hand has had when he was not injured had a pretty effective season for some 
Sunderland. He's seen him get an England call-up, uh, although that was perhaps more to do with trying to make him not eligible for another country. Uh, and uh, Yeah, the country he played against. Yeah, I mean, interesting. Yeah, exa- exactly. But a very, very promising young player, Danny Welbeck. I, I remember when he scored that goal against Stoke, uh, which I believe was his debut, and the, the crowd erupted into a somewhat hilarious at the time chorus of there's only one Danny Welbeck, uh, when the, nobody really knew too much about him at that point, I guess. But the, the kid looks a, a proper talent, and I think he would be very useful. He's, he's got plenty of talent. I mean, it's, it's, it's strange. I mean, um, obviously, Welbeck and Machado are about the same age. And I would have said amongst the, the United fan base that, that more people were in favour in Machado and thought he was going to be the one that's successful. And I think it's going to turn out to be the other way around. Yeah, and I, you wonder how much of that's to do with sort of the head as opposed to the talent because maybe he's just maybe just has a, a, a somewhat better attitude perhaps maybe obviously a, a great work rate and uh, he's prepared to put the graft in and he did what he was told and, and went away to a Premier League side which which Machado patently didn't although although word is that really only West Brom showed any interest and even that didn't didn't uh, materialize in a concrete bid for Machado a loan bid that is uh, but you know Machado went away to Italy when the, the club really didn't want him to and uh, he might pay the price for that so we've had a I said there was a few questions from AWT91. One of them is just simply Schneider versus Modric. Uh, well, it's a tactical question for me. I think there's very little difference in the quality of the players. Uh, and uh, but, uh, I can come on to this. I, I think this is hypothetical. Uh, but uh, probably Modric, if you're going to play Rooney in the, the position he's playing now. If there's no further evolution of United's tactics and it's Hernandez and Rooney as the principal strike force and not Rooney and Berbatov or Hernandez and Berbatov. Of, then you'd probably say Modric is the better fit tactically because Schneider would take up an awful lot of the same positions as Rooney does. I mean, I, have, I think I mentioned it on the pod last week. I have seen Schneider play in a slightly deeper position, but that's not exactly where he, he naturally plays. So that would there would be a question mark about that one. So uh, Modric, I guess, realistically, uh, he's not leaving Spurs this summer. And uh, Spurs would want a lot of money, but but the players are in no mood to rock the boat. So he will be staying at Spurs. And, and if Spurs don't qualify for the Champions League uh, at the end of next season, then he might be available. Uh, Schneider, he's, uh, as I uh, mentioned, on, on such massive wages. It's hard to see that United would come up with the money because it it was be an awful, an awful, awful lot of money. So I think neither are realistic, uh, in my honest opinion. It's such a shame. Such a shame. Because my answer to that question is definitely either. You know, Schneider or Modric, fine. No no problem. Either way, either of them would improve our squad significantly. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I say that, improve our squad, which has just won the league and is in the Champions League final, but still not certainly not a squad which could only be improved by Leo Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, as Fergie said at the end of uh, last season. Um, it's a good point, but on transfers generally, I don't think United will benefit from... From uh, filling the squad out with a whole bunch of uh, of fairly cheap youngsters again, I, I think the only way United benefit from transfers this summer is is by bringing in you know high high quality, and that'd be interesting because it's very much against the grain of of what United are trying to do at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, listen, we we, we will definitely make no apologies for covering some of this ground multiple times because it's the time of year for all that sort of thing, and we're going to do a big end of season wrap up show in a couple of weeks where we will definitely talk about what the summer is likely to hold. 
I imagine. And while we're on the subject of feedback from listeners, I would like to say a massive thank you to all the people that have been getting involved over on the Facebooks. If you like United Rant on the Facebook, uh, you can comment and like up all the stories a treat. And one of the things that you can do is have a chat about the Rantcast. And I would like to especially thank a uh, highly dedicated listener listening every week all the way in Trinidad. So big shout out to Karen. Uh, thank you very much for all the lovely feedback. And also Thorsten, greetings all the way to Germany. And Ed, he particularly wanted me to send my greets to you. Very nice. And any particular yeah. reason? Uh, I don't know. He's just he's a, he's a fan of Big Ed. And who, who wouldn't be a fan of Big Ed? Well, quite. So yeah, it, uh, listener feedback always super, super appreciated. Uh, chuck us a review on iTunes. Click like on Facebook. And apparently almost reached the top 50 most popular sports podcasts on iTunes this week. Almost. We were at number 51 in the sports and recreation slash professional category. And and somehow we did not make the top 100 football pundits. So, I mean, what, what, what was going on there? I know, it's ridiculous. And I can't see us being nominated for any of the end of season's best podcasts awards. I think we need to up our game for next season, Ed. Well, uh, if you if you want to feedback on the on the blog or on Twitter or in the comments section or anywhere on about what you the listeners want on the Rankcast, we we will gladly oblige. Well, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, uh, gladly oblige, so long as it's a reasonable request. Talking of reasonable requests, Ian Holloway's put in a reasonable request that Sir Alex Ferguson plays up front on Sunday. Do you think that's uh, reasonably likely to happen? And if not, who do you think will be in our starting eleven? Well, I, I don't think he's named himself in his Premier League 25, so uh, unfortunately uh, Fergie is ineligible to play, so uh, Ferguson not playing up front on Sunday. Shocker. I think it will be a, a fringe squad. I, I would be really surprised if anyone starts it is likely to start the Champions League final. Why would you take any risks at all? Uh, and Barcelona don't have to. They're, they're just playing out games. They played basically a youth side the other day and managed to get a draw, so I would think that Berbatov and Owen will start up front, as I said. Uh, Edward might play in goal. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't need another week's rest, really. I don't think he's going to do him any harm to play, although he has had this elbow problem, right? So I guess if he's not fully fit, they, 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 Cusack might get a game. He, you know, his farewell to the Old Trafford faithful. Maybe Anders, Anders Lingard will, uh, will have a game if he's actually fit again now. That would be quite nice to see, wouldn't it? And I'm sure Raphael will get a game, and O'Shea, and Evans, and Smalling, and maybe Gibson and Scott, I'm sure Skulls will play probably his last ever game at Old Trafford so, and, and a few of those, I mean I'm sure they'll mix it up a bit. I mean, why would you even think about playing Edwin van der Sar in this game? Why, why would you even think about it? Well it'll be his last game at Old Trafford, so it would be quite nice. Well, it, it'd but... be lovely to see him, but he can come and do the walk around the pitch, and, but like you said last week if he tweaks his hamstring before the final of the, you know, it's just insane to take the risk of playing him in a game. Yeah I know, but he didn't play last week so that be three weeks without a game that's an awful long time he'll be fine that's that's not I'd, I would much rather see that than some you know Blackburn forward accidentally banging him in the head you know that's yeah god well it's true you you wouldn't want Cusack that would that would change the uh, god that would change the nature of the, the game somewhat wouldn't it it was it would for sure um, how will Old Trafford not flood the pitch with tears on Sunday if it does turn out to be Paul Scholes' last game asks Sleepy Nick well I wonder I thought there might be an announcement I mean there's definitely 
definitely been the word going around that, that Scholes has told the club that he is about to retire. Don't know whether that's true or not. I haven't heard it from the man himself. For some reason, he didn't call me up to say. So we, we don't know. But I would, I would hope there'd be an announcement beforehand if that's the case. So he can be given the appropriate send-off. I mean, he might have asked for that not to happen, given he's a pretty sort of humble chap, isn't he, Paul Scholes? But, God, it, that'd be a real, real shame if, if he doesn't get the uh, the send-off he deserves. I mean, I, I'm tempted to say that given the way his season's gone, possibly not the worst thing in the world if he does call it a day. Well, no, I mean, Ferguson said of Andrew and it's a good it's a good time to retire. There's no point going out having a season where he's degrading quality. And I think if you look at the second half of Paul Scholes' season, it has degraded quite markedly in quality. And he's a player who he absolutely could do a job, but you're not going to throw him into the big games anymore. So does he really need it? Does he really need to be a bit part player playing against lesser sides? He's worth more than that. I, I just don't see, I don't see the value. Value. I, you know, much as I'd love United to go out and and prove me wrong in in some respects and and throw a ton of money at at, at a central midfielder of the very highest quality, uh, I, I, you know, equally would not like to see Paul Scholes stay just for the sake of it. There's no point. He's been such a wonderful, wonderful midfielder. He over the last two decades, he's up with the very highest of his peers. You know, he's in the same elite group as Xavi and Zinzin Zidane as as you know the very best midfielder. Uh, and Zidane was, you know, on another planet in terms of his technical ability. But but ask Zidane who his favourite player was. It's Paul Scholes. In fact, ask almost any professional who their favourite player is. Paul Scholes is a wonderful player. He doesn't he doesn't need to do it anymore. And ten is a very nice round number, isn't it? Very nice round number. Yeah, that that would be ten more than Steven Gerrard, I think. I really like all the tables that have been going around this week. Like United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Ryan Giggs. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> like Ryan Giggs has won more trophies than anyone except for three whole entire clubs. I believe that he has single-handedly won more honours or one less honour than Chelsea and City combined. Uh, and, and Paul Scholes can't be far off those kind of numbers. Absolutely wonderful careers. If Ryan Giggs were a country, what would he have done? Yeah, I know. Incredible. Yeah, it's just uh, just an incredible career. I wonder what he's done with all these medals. I, there must be in a big room somewhere where he just goes and gets... A very big room, admires himself. Yeah, yeah catches the glint off all those medals. Ed, what's been going on with the money? stuff. Yeah, very, very quick. No, nothing really exciting. Q3 results were out this week, showed a small increase in media income, a, uh, a basically flat ticket tickets. I mean, it's very lumpy ticket sales anyway, because it depends on how many cup games you have quarter on quarter. Large increase in commercial income, that's to do with a lot of the deals that United have been striking, people like Conchi del Toro Wines and, and all of that kind of stuff. And um, nothing really that exciting in there. Uh, expect the Q1 results, or sorry, Q4 for end of year results to be very good mainly because of the uh, Champions League run and that, that should show an extra games and all that should show an extra boost in income not not a lot of change a slight fluctuation in uh, the forex markets has uh, shows a, a dip in United's um, overall debt but it's really to do with the translation of the American uh, half of the bonds on United's uh, are in dollars and uh, it's a very weak dollar at the moment so it's like there's slightly less debt and that's it and if you want to have this kind of conversation in person and who wouldn't we're definitely still planning to do some sort of rank cast meetup for the Champions League final. Let, let me tell you, the babes love it. 
<laughs> the details are not quite ready yet because uh, we're waiting to see what happens with the must screening. If that doesn't come to fruition or if it doesn't seem to be in a convenient spot or whatever, we will definitely sort something out ourselves. And, well, me and Ed will go somewhere and watch a game and you're all welcome to join us. We will have details of that on the Twitter, the Facebook and the website. And if it's ready in time by next week's show as well. Right, very good. And, and just a couple of predictions to, to do this week. Obviously, there's the small matter of Blackpool at home. But first, Gary Neville's testimonial. What do you reckon the score will be against Juventus? I think my prediction is essentially that Gary Neville will score because it's Gary Neville's testimonial and it is the rule of the testimonials. Even Gary Neville's going to score. And the big question is, is D-Bet coming? Again, the day afterwards, so who knows? I mean... It's terrible. Gary Neville's testimonial can't not have D-Bet. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, it will have the mighty Nicky, Nicky Butt, Nicky, Nicky Butt, Nicky Butt. Well, yeah, and what's not to love about Nicky Butt? Yeah, I, I predict that Gary Neville's team will win. Very good. And and and, and what about Gary Neville's team will will uh, will they beat Blackpool United Reserves uh, which is the team that he's played in most over the last three years in Blackpool fighting for their yeah, life yeah I sort of hope Blackpool win I guess we've won the league it really makes no odds whatsoever I hope that Blackburn win 4-3 and Dimitar Berbatov scores a hat-trick that's what I hope because I'd love I'd love yeah, there's something they really. I, I, they're really, I'm, I'm, I apologise. I apologise to anyone who had to hear that. Clearly, I hope that United win by a landslide. I actually think I'm going to predict again. I think it'll be a comfortable win. I think it's too much for, for Blackpool's players. I think even the reserves turn out. It'll be a nice open game, and, and United will win this comfortably. I, I mean, Blackpool have got a score, right? So maybe let's go for a four-two. Okay. I mean, uh, the, Ian Holloway though. Don't you want Ian Holloway in the Premiership next season? Yeah, but they could win and still go down. So, yeah. No, all right then. Yeah, what I actually predict is that United will win, um, and I think again it'll be, I think it'll be quite high scoring as well. But I'm going to go for three-two to slightly differentiate myself. But I suspect that that means that I won't make it three in a row because I'm pretty sure I said two-one in the Chelsea game. Definitely said one-all in the Blackburn game. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going two-one, two-one to United. Just flip-flopping around. And no, no. I'm if def- you want some more of this flip-flopping, join us on next week's show. It's definitive. Two-one. See you next week.